When the coronavirus began to overwhelm New York City, Nikki Glaser did what a lot of young New Yorkers did. She fled. In Glaser's case, she fled for her childhood home in the St. Louis suburbs. Because everyone listening knows how when you go back home, you just, you turn into a child again. Slamming doors, screaming at my mom, like that's, it, it's, it's gone to that. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That time home has proved useful for Glazer. It actually proved the perfect place to gather material for an idea she had for a show. And she joined us in July to explain why she just can't quit St. Louis. I began by asking her if she originally expected to stay in her hometown many months after she first moved home. No, I really didn't. I thought it was going to be such a temporary thing. And um, it's just turned into actually like such a, a blessing because... I just never thought there was any time in my life that I could ever live in St. Louis again doing what I do. It's just always, you know, either New York or L.A. And I've I've been flip flopping between those two cities since I graduated college. And I just always kind of resigned myself to the fact that I would only visit for the holidays and not really get to see my niece and nephew grow up and watch my parents get older, watch my (laughs) parents grow up. And um, and now it's like I I'm kind of settling in and, and learning that I can actually have this career from St. Louis. And it's it's pretty great. Do you ever think about making it permanent? You know, maybe moving out of your parents' house, getting your own place here in St. Louis? I know. Yes, I do. I actually just made the first steps this morning of like calling apartment comp- like places and setting up uh, showings of apartments. Really? There's only so long you can stay at your parents' place. And just it doesn't seem to there doesn't seem to be a pressing need to to get back to L.A. or New York, even though those cities are kind of getting it together, maybe or you know, at least New York seems to maybe be getting it together a little bit more. Yeah, I just am like, let me just commit to this. And I, I, I'm not touring as much for stand up. I am, I, I, you know, I host podcasts. I'm, I'm looking into other kind of means of making money as opposed to, you know, just planning on being on TV constantly in LA mm-hmm. or New York. It's, it really, I can have this career out of St. Louis. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to make it at least semi-permanent. Wow. So do you feel like the industry you're in, that it's more open to people working remotely because of this weird situation where now everybody's kind of working remotely? Yeah, I think it is. Finally, I think, you know, there's a couple opportunities I've lost out on just because I'm not in New York or L.A. and can't and especially New York, like doesn't want anyone from Missouri stepping into their state right now. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to quarantine for 14 days if you went to visit there. That's crazy, but probably also very sensible. You you might be ridden with disease here. I know I I when they when they announced that I was like wow I can't go back even if I wanted to because that's where my apartment is just sitting empty right now so it was kind of like nice to be like okay I can't like I have to commit to this I I feel like we sucked you back in this is a huge coup for St. Louis like we finally (laughs) get our very own celebrity who actually lives here we can stop talking about John Hamm and like you could be our girl are you up for that I am so up for it. Bob Costas, move over. <laughs> I have been, I, I, that's all I've ever wanted was, you know, the, the I got into this business to be, to feel less invisible in a world where I felt kind of invisible. You know, like I just, I'm kind of realizing that all as I go back home 
or I've lived back home is uh, so many of the feelings of high school and feeling just like a dork who no one saw and not having a purpose and not feeling special. Like all those things that kind of jettison me into pursuing this career where you just seek approval from strangers has, I've kind of come back to that feeling and realized that it's kind of an empty pursuit and that I already have the love and acceptance of the people that I've, I seek that from essentially, which is like my, my family. And I don't need that. I don't need as much of this fame uh, and like pursuit of fame as, as I thought. All I want is that St. Louis loves me. (laughs) You want St. Louis level fame. You don't have to be Angelina Jolie. Well, I've got to ask you, I mean, you're making it sound like this is just pure love of our, our bucolic atmosphere here in, in St. Louis, but I know you did get a deal and this is for a show. This is a show about a girl who gets canceled and has to move back in with her parents in St. Louis. Is, this all just research you're going to be building something even bigger than before it's true sarah i uh, like almost a year ago i sold a show idea for a scripted show about a girl who gets canceled because she mouths off on stage and says the wrong thing and loses every single she was about to get a late night show and she loses everything and has to move back to st louis with her parents and i just thought it was like almost a sci-fi pitch in terms of like the, the the chances that that could happen and then here i am living that essentially and i am writing it as i'm living at home and it's wild because because I am, I am blurring the two care. Like I am the character that I'm writing about, but the the lines are very blurred. And I'm writing scenes, and then having that fight with my dad. I'm writing like f- bleed over into me getting coffee in the kitchen with him, and just having an attitude. Like it's I'm living a. I, I really am living a sitcom right now. It's just my ex-boyfriend moved back to town from Los Angeles. He's originally from St. Louis, oh like a, a couple months ago, and it's like. It's just wild. Like every, it almost the, the real story is actually more um, interesting than the, the one I'm writing. So, and it's so more you, layered and dramatic. <laughs> you thought this was sci-fi. This turned out to be prophecy. I mean, now this, <laughs> yes. is, this is all happening. So are you and your high school boyfriend, is this going to be the happy ending that every St. Louisan dreams of? Like, oh. are you guys, is, is it, are, are you going on dates? Um, I, it's so sweet that you thought I had a boyfriend in high school. I didn't, I never had a boyfriend in high school, but he was like my, he's actually a guy that I met in New York and he just happened to be from St. Louis. And I, I truly do love St. Louis in so much that I tend to gravitate towards them in whatever city I live in and we find each other. And so I ended up dating this guy that was from St. Louis and we met in New York. We moved oh, wow. to LA together and then we were broken up for years and then we just both ended up back here and we've been hanging out, but I don't. I don't think it's uh, not so, so far. It's not the happy ending that maybe I have dreamt it to be. But, you know, it feels like it's like destiny. But I'm keeping my options open. OK, so I was getting a little ahead of myself there. And also, <laughs> oh, making... I've been there, Sarah. Don't worry. <laughs> and, and yes, I guess I made you sound cooler than you were. I apologize for that. But, but yeah, I didn't have a boyfriend until I was 24. Unfortunately. <laughs> but I mean, this does sound like just the most amazing plot and almost one of those things where it yeah. seems too cutesy if it happens, how are you going to bring the edge to it so people know, well, this isn't just this dreamed up scenario. Like I've got the realism of I'm actually taking notes on the annoying things my parents do. 
Yeah, I'm actually trying to just make them different than they are, like are in the script because the script that I'm writing, I've I'm writing it with another writer and she cannot believe how much my life is mirroring what we're writing because I'll be writing with her and in the background my mom will be yelling at me about moving some thing in my into my room because it's cluttering the the living room and she's like, "We literally just wrote that scene." I'm like, "I'm living this. It's too much." So we've really made some efforts to make the characters very different so that by the time this airs, my parents aren't like, how dare you? <laughs> and like, sue me for, you know, defamation. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be kicked out. I mean, you still don't have that other apartment yet. So you got to make that's this a, work for now. It's a really good point. I am I am doing everything. You know, I go to therapy. I meditate. I do so much work on myself to just not like kind of sink back into the teenager I was when I lived back at home because everyone listening knows how when you go back home you just you turn into a child again Mm -hmm. and I'm just like this petulant little teenager like slamming doors screaming at my mom like that's it's it's gone to that and I'm 36 and it's no way to behave so I really have to watch it because it I have to be like white knuckling it most days just to be be a normal adult and treat my parents with like respect that they deserve as like other adults that I'm living with and they're not just you know my parents who are you know just riding my case and but it's hard you know I'm sleeping late I'm I'm kind of just taking up space I I, I just don't want to get to the point where they're like can you please move out so I'm <laughs> I'm making the first step because I feel it coming Sarah so I gotta ask though I mean this this whole idea of you know you have to move back home because you've been canceled this was your fictional premise but this yes. has to be something that is on the minds of, of anybody working in comedy today I mean I've seen some of your Comedy Central roasts. You've said some sure. vicious stuff, and it's it's hilarious. But some of it skates right up to the edge. There, do you worry about getting canceled? Yes, Sarah. Every day, it's just wait, like it because the rules change every day, and because I change every day. It's like some of the things I was joking about a decade ago. I've been doing this now sixteen or seventeen years. I mean, it's been a while, and. There were things that were acceptable to joke about early on in my career and even not so early on. I mean, Hmm. I've watched episodes of The Office that make me so uncomfortable and I don't think that they could exist on TV now in terms of like treatment of women in the workplace. And there, there are things that even five, seven years ago would be like, jaw dropping to see on a uh, network TV now. So mm-hmm. I, I I just hope that if I ever do get canceled or something comes out that people under that I would be able to uh, apologize like because I feel bad about some stuff that I've said before. I was young and just trying to shock. And, you know, when you're not getting laughs early on, you go for groans because it's better than silence. You know, you get so desperate. I think that yeah, you just want some kind of noise from the audience. So a lot of my comedy early on was just based on just getting eliciting any kind of reaction because a laugh is so much harder than a groan. So I went, like you said, I, I, I went blue a lot of times and and I regret some of those jokes, but I also feel like deep down, I always come back to the fact that when I, when I have those moments of like, oh my God, that one thing I said, what if that resurfaces or what if... Did I say that or are they overthinking? I just deep down I know I'm a good person and I don't really I don't want to hurt anyone. I've I've done enough self 
uh, reflection that I, I, I'm not scared that, oh my God, am I a terrible person and someone's going to discover it? It's like, I've made mistakes, but nothing that I think I couldn't, um, I couldn't amend. I, I hope. Whatever skeleton is in your closet, it's one that a well-crafted apology might get you past it. <laughs> yes, it's a it, it exactly. I, I I and I hate to say that like uh, I'm already planning apologies, but I mean, you know, I, I'm allowed to have made mistakes and I I also uh, am very open to people apologizing for the mistakes they've made in in and across the board in any kind of way. It's the problem is you just don't get those apologies. It, it, because people aren't sorry, and deep down they are bad people. So that's where I differ from some of these people that have been canceled. So some people should be they, canceled, but not you. Well, they. You, you know what? My opinion is if you haven't learned from it and mm -hmm. you don't see the victim's perspective or the, the, the person who feels offended by your joke, if you can't empathize enough and get to a place where you can admit your, that, that you're only – if you're only like – feel like a victim in that you've been canceled you can't see it from the other person's perspective or even try to yeah okay well bye we don't really need you anymore or if you're not willing to get honest with yourself about where maybe that thing that behavior came from or that joke came from and why you don't want to live like that anymore and you can't art and you're an artist and you're not able to articulate that in a, a, a screenshot of a notepad where you write out an apology then bye-bye. We don't really need you. Like it's time to, to look back and, and grow from these things. And if you can't, I don't really, uh, I, I don't know that you should lose everything, but I'm not really interested in consuming your, your material anymore, but that's just me. Yeah. That, that seems like a fair standard. I have to say, I haven't heard it stated that well. So, so thank you for putting this whole thing in perspective for me. Uh, thanks. <laughs> uh, we have just a couple minutes uh, left here. And I did want to ask you about one thing. You mentioned how hard it is to have that silence when you're trying so hard to land a joke. And I know oh. right now we're trying to do socially distant comedy, you know, yeah. virtual comedy nights at comedy clubs where there's fewer people in there. I know you gave this a whirl at, at Helium here in St. Louis after they reopened. Was that totally weird not having as big of a crowd as you knew you could get just because people have to be six feet apart. Yes, the socially distanced comedy is weird. You know, performing in clubs, I'm not doing it anymore. I just don't feel good about performing indoors. I know some places are doing a good job of it, but I was just, I, it felt too anxious for me. And, hmm. and all you want when you're in a setting of performing comedy is for everyone to be as comfortable as possible because it's just, there are, the audience is already so awkward for you because they're, you're up there performing and they're like, I could never do that. And they're just, you want them to be at ease. So I don't do that anymore, but it did feel when I was performing at Helium with the, the six feet apart it felt like when I first started comedy and like open mics where everyone just kind of sat scattered around and mm -hmm. it just kind of uh it humbled me a bit but now I'm um actually embarking on uh a a tour of drive-in movie theaters and like at a racetrack like outdoor shows and so I'm actually loading my schedule with those for the early fall and um late summer and I'm just going to get a tour bus and have uh, just a select number of friends so there's there's going to be ways to do it uh healthfully outside but I, I don't know stand up for me I'm kind of like well it was fun while it lasted see you maybe in five years or something like I have no I have n I'm not counting on it coming back anytime soon so I'm exploring other ways to express myself hmm. um and uh I don't I, I don't know if those ways are going to pan out but I'm I, I'm lucky to have lived during the stand-up boom and and I'm sad to kind of see it dwindle, but uh, there's there's other outlets for sure.
That's St. Louis native and comedian Nikki Glaser, who's appeared on numerous radio and television shows, including The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Conan, Comedy Central Roast, and Dancing with the Stars. Her first feature stand-up special, Bangin', debuted on Netflix last year. I talked with her in July. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available at stlpublicradio.org. Or you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Podcast app, or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Evie Hempel and Lara Hamden with production assistance from Aaron Dorr. The senior producer is Emily Woodbury, and the executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.